we're going to go ahead and move into our worship uh, through giving. And so uh, I was thinking last night about how the, the Bible talks about the, how the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, give, paying my tithes, giving my tithes is one of my favorite things that I pay every month, and or every uh, pay period, actually. And um, so it's a joy to be able to, to participate in the economy of God. Uh, when, we, when we do that, uh, there's a joy that comes from giving. The Bible says it's better to give than to receive. And I think many of you, I, I know many of you uh, have experienced that joy of giving. And uh, so let's go ahead and pray, and then the ushers will receive the offering. Lord, thank you for your, that you care about our, the area of our resources. Thank you for providing for our needs. Thank you for providing for our wants. What a blessing it is to serve and, and participate in your economy. Lord, I pray for all of the, the different businesses, all of the different economic interests represented by our church. Lord, we pray that you'll bless all of those. Lord, we know that when we align our, our, the area of our resources, our econom, the economic side of our life with your word and with your principles, everything seems to be better. And so God, I just pray a special blessing over all those who tithe. I pray for those who are on the fence or like, you know, I don't know about this, this giving thing. Lord, I pray that you'll give them the faith to check it out. Uh, you, we can never go wrong when we, when we uh, decide to partner with you in, in your economic system. And so, Lord, bless our assembly today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you didn't, from, the, from our, our, our scripture reading, if you didn't get the, the, the hint, I think we're talking about mercy today. And um, uh, think about it. You guys memorized half a chapter of, of Psalms already, and so good for you. Uh, the, uh, the half of it was the, the give thanks to the Lord, or his mercy endures forever. And so um, today we're talking about mercy, and uh, what, 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 what happens is sin causes us to fall short of meeting God's standards. But in God's mercy, Jesus willingly took what I deserve. And on the cross, we see God's great mercy. And uh, as I was preparing, I, I, I found a story about the mayor of New York, uh, Mayor LaGuardia, uh, who the airport is named after there. And uh, he was, uh, I, from my understanding, he was kind of an eccentric mayor. He would uh, uh, show up and, and take orphans to a baseball game. He would show up randomly at different places and, and make an appearance. And uh, one evening, he decided to show up to night court. And he told the judge that the judge could go and, and uh, 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 leave, and the mayor was going to take over the judge's duties. Well, there was a lady that was brought into court uh, because she had stolen a loaf of bread. And the shop owner of the, the store where she had, had, had stolen the bread from wanted to press charges. So the mayor asked the lady, he said, ma'am, what was the, why did you steal this bread? And she, she said, well, you know, my son, he hasn't been able to have, find work. And uh, my two grandchildren didn't have any food. And so I had to steal a loaf of bread so they would have something to eat. And um, the the mayor couldn't believe that 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 this lady was in this 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 peril. He couldn't believe that the shop owner was going to press charges, and so he asked the shop owner, "Do you still want to press charges against this lady?" Lady, and he said, "Yes, mayor. The part of town that we're in—it's a terrible part of town. We need to set an example that theft is not acceptable in our area of town." And so, yes, I do want to continue to press charges. And so the mayor, he, 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 uh, he knew that the penalty for this charge against this woman was a $10 fine or she would have to be in prison for a number of days. And so as he, he had to do what the law said, and so as he was uh, writing up the charges, he pulled out a $10 bill from his wallet and he said, uh, ma'am, I have, to, I have to fine you the $10, that's what the law says, but here's $10 to pay that fine because I don't think it's right that you have to do this. 
And in addition, I'm ordering everybody in this courtroom to pay 50 cents because it's awful that a, a lady in our city has to steal bread to feed her grandchildren. And so he made everybody, including the shop owner, uh, pay 50 cents to the court. And they managed to, to raise $43, I think it was, that the mayor then gave to the lady to buy food for her family. But that's an example of mercy. A mercy is when uh, we don't get what we deserve. That lady, she did steal something. She violated the law. She deserved a, a, a penalty. But the, but, uh, the mayor knew, given the circumstances, that, uh, that uh, she, she, really, she should be protected from that punishment. And that's what mercy does for us. You know, all of us are sinners. All of us fall short of God's standard of holiness. All of us fall short. We make mistakes. We sin. Uh, we screw up. Uh, some of us, it might have been this morning on the way to the church, when we, the way we were talking to our spouse. Whatever it might be, maybe you guys don't have those conversations, we just drive separate, and then we, we make sure it doesn't happen. Um, uh, it's other times that, that we, we have that problem. We've been married for almost 15 years, and no matter what we're, where we're going, I still scare my wife driving, and she still screams and scares me, and then it's this total disaster in the car. But anyway, um, but this mercy that God provides for us is, is, giving, is protecting us from what we deserve. Uh, God, God, we deserve punishment. We deserve a, a penalty. But God, is in his, by, by sending Jesus to the cross, has provided mercy for us so that we don't get what we deserve. Uh, one of the authors I was studying, he said, uh, uh, the Hebrew for merciful means compassionate, full of compassion. It means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior, to favor, to bestow. And um, nothing's cooler than uh, when you see somebody who uh, is in a, a, a lowly position uh, raised up or protected by somebody in a higher position. When, uh, when, when that inferior, uh, and we don't, we, don't really, we don't believe that anyone's inferior, but in uh, certain uh, roles there's, 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 there in our, our society, we've created uh, roles that seem inferior. And when someone lifts that person up, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing thing. I think about uh, the time when uh, I remember Teresa Kress, uh, she's sitting there holding a little baby. And uh, she, when I was like 10 years old, I think I was, I can't remember exactly, but she had me sing at the governor's prayer breakfast. And, um, and I didn't know I was going to be at the head table for this breakfast. Uh, you know, we get there and then I'm at the head table. And I'm like, 10? Do you remember how old I was? 10, 11? It was still when I had that soprano voice. I know it hasn't gone down too much. But um, um, and, uh, but, uh, we, I was there and I, I didn't feel, I felt inferior. I'm with the governor. I'm with all these people who are, you know, I'm a 10 year old. I didn't, I didn't deserve, I shouldn't have been at that table, but Teresa, she, she, uh, she helped me get elevated up to a place that I shouldn't have been. And that's the cool thing. What God has done for us. He's, he's given us that mercy to take us out of a place that we should be into a place of, of, of his sons and daughters. This is mercy. We have all sinned against a holy God. We deserve eternal wrath in hell. But in his mercy, God poured out on Jesus the wrath we deserved on the cross so we could escape his wrath. Jesus didn't have to die for us. He didn't have to pay for our sins. But our God is compassionate and merciful. So he didn't give us what we deserved. He gave it to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Do you ever, have you ever had a situation in your life where you, de you deserve something, but somebody else got it for you? And there's nothing, you, you feel so humble, you feel so uh, uh, small. You're like, no, 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 I really, I really need to be in that place. And that's what Jesus did for us. 
Because, you know, the, the, the Jews, the way they look at sin is it's incurring a debt. Uh, as, as we're going on through life, we're incurring these debts through sin. And on our own, we couldn't pay those debts. On our own, there's no way we could ever uh, pay, pay, pay that debt off. But God sent Jesus for us to, to pay that debt. And so that's what mercy is for us. It's giving us, it's protecting us from what we really deserve. God's mercy endures forever, in case you missed that in our, in our scripture reading. It endures forever. It endures forever. There's no shortage of mercy. There's no ending to the mercy of God. It endures forever. Because God's mercy endures forever, it is perfect mercy. Imagine with me that God didn't have, uh, that, that maybe only on Mondays and Tuesdays he was merciful. Could you imagine when I asked for forgiveness? It wouldn't be perfect mercy. If you didn't know, like, okay, maybe today when I ask for forgiveness, he's going to forgive me, but maybe he won't. You know, that's not perfect mercy. Perfect mercy is, is the same every day. It's, it's, it's enduring forever and ever. One author put it this way. He said, his mercy endureth forever. It is everlasting. Everlastingness or eternity is a perfect possession all at once of an endless life. Everlasting mercy then is perfect mercy, which, which shuts out all the imperfections of time, beginning, end, succession, and such is God's mercy. First, his essential mercy is eternity itself, for it is himself and God hath not, but is things. He is beginning, end, being, and that which is of himself and even himself is eternity itself. Secondly, his relative mercy is everlasting too, in a sense, for the creatures ever since they had being in him or existence in their natural causes, ever did and ever will need mercy, either preserving or conserving. And so you see, there's, there's, there's no end to God's mercy. It's there from the beginning. It's there to the end. We don't, it's, it's not like we serve a God who has a, a, a mercy, you know, a level of mercy that he can dole out. And then when that's empty, it's, it's you know, you're done, you're toast. No, it's everlasting. It's, it's eternal. And so that for that, for, and that, because of that, it makes it perfect mercy. So how can God's forever enduring perfect mercy be applied to our lives? Let's start out in Psalms 136, uh, verse 10 and 11. And there it says, To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, and his love for his mercy endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his mercy endures forever. So God's forever enduring perfect mercy is extended to those trapped in bondage. So uh, in, in verses 10 and 11, he's talking about the story of the Israelites and how they were trapped in Egypt and how they were trapped as, as slaves. And um, uh, we, don't, we don't really think about slavery much these days because, uh, you know, we don't, it's not something we see on a regular basis. But the, the Israelites, while they were in Egypt, they were trapped in slavery. It wasn't like they had the free will. It wasn't like they had the choice to say, you know, today I don't feel like going to work. I'm going to do something else. or I'm going to get a different job. No, they were enslaved. They had to go and do whatever it was that Pharaoh wanted them to do on a daily basis. And, and in fact, he made it harder for them every day by saying, you know, we need to increase production. Uh, we need to, to produce more bricks or whatever. And, and so they lived like slaves. They were held in bondage. And that's the same for uh, some people here today. Some of you are held in bondage. You, uh, you may have, uh, you, when you were in high school, you may have uh, slipped into a sin or you may have, have done something that, that wasn't pleasing to the Lord. And after years and years of doing that, you find yourself, you know, it's like uh, someone who smokes. They say, you know, oh, just one more cigarette. I can, I'm going to stop 
after that, or someone who drinks, one more drink and then I'm gonna stop drinking. But then that, that next moment of stress comes and you find yourself reaching for that thing that, that, that calms your nerves. Well, that's that bondage. God wants to free you from that bondage. That's what his mercy came for, is to free us from the bondage. We don't need to live like slaves anymore. Christ came to release, and through his mercy, to release us from the bondage that we find ourselves in. And so if today, if you're, if you're trapped in bondage, I wanna give you hope. God's mercy is enough to, to take you out of that bondage. It's enough that you don't need to continue living in that bondage that you've been finding holding you for, for many, many years. That leads us into our next point, which is God's forever enduring perfect mercy is extended to those needing a way of escape. As I mentioned, the Israelites were, 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 were in this bondage, this, this slavery in Egypt. And um, thinking about, I was, I was thinking about the incentives for, I always like to think of incentives for parties. And this is a good thing for parenting too sometimes. You, you think of, okay, what is my kid really wanting? Uh, what are they really going to get? And you figure out how to put a carrot out in front of them to get them to do what you're trying to do sometimes. And um, uh, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, Oh, incentives. Um, uh, but f- I, was, I was thinking about the, the incentives that Pharaoh had for, for letting the Israelites go. And he really had none. Uh, from an economic standpoint, from a pride standpoint, there was really nothing that made sense for Pharaoh to decide to let the Israelites go. I was, I was doing some research and uh, uh, was trying to find out how many Israelites there were, how many Egyptians there were. And uh, uh, my wife, she's more of the uh, detailed person uh, in, our, in our relationship. And so she likes studying all this stuff. And, um, and, she tell, and we were, I was doing some research last night. And about, they think that there were about two to three million Israelites uh, when, when the exodus occurred. And uh, they don't really know how many Egyptians there were, but they think that there was maybe, that the Israelites represented about 10% of, of Egypt. And so if you do the math, uh, 10% is about 10 million people, or, or excuse me, 10 per, 22 million is 10% of 10 million people. There we go. And um, uh, so I was, I was doing some research, and L.A. County is about 10 million people. And so imagine if 2 million people just got up and left L.A., what that would do to the economy. Could you imagine? It would, it would put businesses out of business. It would uh, have a huge economic impact. And so that, as a, as a leader of a nation, that was one of the things that Pharaoh was facing in uh, making the decision to whether or not the Israelites should go is, you know, we always think of it as, as just uh, an ego thing, but there was also a practical matter here. Uh, the, the Israelites were a significant part of the workforce of producing there in Egypt. And so uh, Pharaoh had a significant economic incentive to not let the Israelites go. I mean, you can look at the economy in Alaska. For a long number of years, our, our population was growing. And then when the recession started about three years ago, we saw a decrease in our population. And now our population is kind of, have, has steadied out a little bit. But just that decrease in population that we've seen in Alaska has had that would do. And this is here. And so you can't imagine losing 10% of your population and what that would do. And then we all know, you know, being men, we all have our egos, and some t- women would say that they're rather sensitive at times. But, you know, Pharaoh, being the king, being the leader, he didn't want to just, you know, say, sure, two million people, go, you know, do whatever you want, you know. It's a, it's a kind of, you know, a killer to the ego, I would think. And so Pharaoh had no incentive to let the people go. But in the midst of that, God provided an escape for these people. 
He knew that he didn't want them to be stuck in that bondage forever. And so he made a way that they could escape. And that's the same thing that God has done for you today. If maybe you're, you're in that bondage, maybe you find yourself in slavery to something that you didn't want to be enslaved to. Well, today, God is providing a way of escape for you. He's wanting to provide a way out so that you don't need to find yourself stuck in that bondage. So you don't need to find yourself uh, uh, constantly uh, battling that thing. The next, the, the, the next point is God's forever enduring perfect mercy is extended during our time of wandering in the desert. Psalms 136.16. When you've been doing something for a long time, it become, develops a pattern. How many of you, uh, as you get older, you find yourself doing something like your mom or dad? You know, you say, I'm not going to say that, or I'm not going to do what my parents do, but then your kid's come out, they come along, and then suddenly you feel like a broken record, and you're like, oh, no, I, I said I was never going to say that, or I was never going to do that. And uh, uh, it's because we're, we're raised in such a way that we, we, we get those patterns, and they get very deeply ingrained into us. And so think about it for a minute. The Israelites had lived in slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years, and all they knew was how to be a slave. And so suddenly, God uh, removes them from Egypt, and it's almost like, uh, uh, as I understand it, families that, that deal with addiction and deal with uh, uh, life-controlling issues, when, when the, the person in the family that's been dealing with that comes out, it causes all kinds of uh, turmoil for the family because the family adjusted to that dysfunction, and now that the person has become healthy, they have to adjust to this new normal. And it's kind of the same thing with the Israelites. They got used to being slaves. Uh, generation after generation had, had been in that, that, that mindset of producing, of, of working as a slave. And now God brought them out of Egypt uh, into freedom, and they didn't know how to, to, to live as free people. They didn't know how to live as, as God intended them, as sons and daughters of the king. And so uh, some, some say that the, the time that they spent in the wilderness was God's time of training for them on how to live in the promised land. Because if he had just let them go into the promised land after being a slave, they wouldn't have known how to, to, to live that way. They wouldn't have known how to live and, and really see the benefits of the promised land. And so God took them through this season of, of being in the wilderness, the time in the desert, to, to teach them what the, 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 the precepts, teach them the things that they needed to know in order to live like they should live once they got to the promised land. And so some of us are, are in the same type of thing. It's, it's, we're, we're coming out of a, a bondage. We're coming out of slavery. We're, we're, uh, maybe it's a, a, a new reality. Maybe our, uh, something in our family's happened, a death in the family. Maybe a, a relationship is broken. Whatever it might be, uh, we have to learn how to, to live in a new way. And so we might be going through a season that feels like you're in the wilderness. You might feel like you're in the desert. You're like, you're, your prayer times, you feel like you're not getting through to God. You're saying, Lord, I want to be out of this situation. Uh, remove me from uh, whatever this, this trial is. And you feel like your prayers aren't getting through. But know that God is, is taking you through that wilderness. He's taking you through that desert season in order to teach you the things that you need to know for the next time of your life. And, um, and so when we serve a, a, a perfectly merciful God... When we, go in, when we get into those seasons of the wilderness, when we move into those seasons that were in the desert, we can take comfort knowing that we, lo- we serve a loving God who is, who is letting us go through that season because he knows what, what's best for us on the other side. I, I, um, 
the the a couple years ago at work we had a, a big a change that happened and it created a ton of work. Um, we were working like slaves. It felt like um, I would get up. I I, di- I didn't even sleep in our bedroom because I would I would work. I slept in the spare bedroom because I would get up in the morning at like five or six. I would get on my computer, start working. I would work till eleven or twelve at night. Go just lay down in bed, and then I would get up and do the same thing. And this happened for a couple of weeks. And by the end, I was just done. I was dead tired. I was done, and. Um, um, a couple of, of weeks after that, uh, our boss, he took us out to dinner to thank us for, for putting in the long hours. And um, uh, he told us there's three types of fun. There's type one fun, uh, there's type two and type three. So type one fun is something that's fun in the moment, like sledding. You know, you're having a good time. It's fun in the moment. It's fun afterwards. Uh, but uh, uh, it's It's fun. Type two fun is something that might not be fun in the moment, but later when you're recounting the story, when you're telling your friends about it, uh, you say, that was fun. You know, like maybe a long hike, maybe uh, some kind of uh, athletic competition, whatever it might be. In the moment, you're tired, you're sweaty, uh, it may not be that fun. But later when you're telling people about it, you're like, yeah, that was a good time, that was a great hike. Unless you, uh, Brian and Tracy are going hiking, because Tracy says that I hike like a, a slave driver, and I don't stop enough, I don't... I don't get it. But anyway, the problem of being married to somebody who's goal-oriented. But, uh, and then the third type of fun is uh, uh, it wasn't fun in the moment and it wasn't fun afterwards. And uh, uh, some of you feel like you're in those, that type three fun situation. You feel like you're going through a season where it's like you get up in the morning and it's all you can do to put your shoes on. It's all you can do to, to get ready and go to work. It's all you can do to get out of bed because you just feel like you're forsaken You feel like God isn't near. But friends, I want to remind you that God is there with you in that wilderness. He's there with you in the desert. He's there and he wants to grow. Let's go through those seasons, the the attributes of a man and a woman of God. And um, all of us go through those seasons. I don't, I, uh, it's kind of one of the unfortunate things about, about, about growth is it always requires some kind of pain uh, or some kind of, of uncomfortable situation. But we have to go through those in order to get to where the Lord is really trying to lead us to. And so uh, I can't remember if I said the blank there, but the last, that bullet point, God's forever enduring perfect mercy is extended during our time of wandering in the wilderness. And so maybe you're feeling like you're wandering today. Maybe you feel like you're, you're all over the place and, and uh, God's not giving you direction. Well, God has mercy for you in that season. His perfect mercy will endure forever, even in that season of wandering. And um, so as, as Pastor Kent mentioned earlier, we're moving into a, a season of Lent. And uh, uh, it's, been, it's been kind of entertaining because this week as, as, as I was preparing, I was listening to a lot of messages on, on Lent. And there aren't a lot of evangelical Protestant lessons on Lent, uh, just to let you know. Uh, most of them come from the Catholic perspective. And uh, so I was, I was enjoying, there's a lot of great Catholic preachers, by the way. I, I, was, I always view Catholics as kind of just reading and not, uh, but there's some really good uh, Catholic speakers. And um, uh, one of them, one of them that I was listening to, he was talking about how the Lenten season is, you know, sometimes you can view uh, 
uh, Christian disciplines as kind of a, a, just a practice that we get into. Uh, you know, maybe uh, your Bible reading sometimes turns into a practice where you just open your Bible, your eyes go over the words, but you're not really letting anything sink in. It's just kind of going through the motions. And that's one of the risks we run of, of any uh, of our practices as Christians is, is that we get into that habit where it's kind of lost its life, where it's just kind of motions that we're going through. Well, in the Lent season, the thing to remember is that, you know, I don't, I don't know that God really cares if you miss breakfast or you miss lunch or if you give up social media or you give up coffee, whatever it is. What I think he really is after is that he wants to become closer to you. And uh, he, he wants to, to grow that intimacy. And so as, as we're going into the, the Lenten season, I want you to be thinking about uh, ways that, that maybe the Lord's asking you to give up something or to abstain from something or to, to, to maybe add something to your life during this season of Lent because he wants to grow closer to you. You know, just like a husband wants to become closer to his wife or closer to his children, he has to spend time with them. Just as uh, you want to become close to a friend, you have to spend time with them. You learn what they like, what they don't like. And that's the same thing in our relationship with the Lord. We have to spend time with the Lord in order to get his heartbeat, in order for us to learn the things that he really cares about, to learn the things that that are, are heavy on his heart. You know, I wonder... Would we approach our prayer life for our city in the same way if we spent a lot of time with the Lord and really got our Lord's heartbeat for our city? Would we pray for our coworkers and our neighbors the same way if we really had the heartbeat of God for those people who are lost? And so that's the invitation of Lent, is to draw, as, use it as a season to draw closer to the Lord. And so we don't want to go into the Lenten season of, you know, I'm giving up uh, breakfast, uh, 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 Samantha's giving up uh, lunch, and so I'm going to beat her by giving up breakfast and dinner. You know, it's not a competition thing. God's not measuring what we're doing. What he's really after is he's after our heart. He wants to be closer to us. He wants to have that, that deep intimacy with him. And so I encourage you, as, as we move into the Lenten season, ask the Lord, say, Lord, what is it that you would, is there something in my life that I need to abstain from? Is there, maybe food has uh, taken a place in my life that, that it, it shouldn't be. It's taken a prominence that it shouldn't have. Maybe I need to lay off a few meals, or maybe I need to uh, use that time that I was spending eating in time with the Lord. Whatever it might be that, God, that God's calling you, I encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit. He would love to show you the things that, that are keeping you away from the Lord, and would love to, to remove those barriers. But we just have to ask, and he'll tell us, I'm guessing most of us already know. Um, I've, been, I've been teaching on holiness during Sunday school, and uh, I've, I've been telling the class how some of the things the Lord's been working on in my life. And towards the beginning of the year, uh, I'm kind of OCD, and so when I, I do something, I have to do, do it all, and, uh, or, or I don't like to just do things part way. Um, and sometimes I, I just mess myself up just to try to get myself out of that habit. So, like, I'll set my alarm clock for 6.03 in the morning just to, like, kind of, you know, you know, and some of you are cringing. You're like, ooh, how could he do a non, you know, an even number or something? Um, but, but uh, um, I forgot where I was going. Uh, Oh, yes. So I was telling, I was telling the Sunday school class some of the things the Lord was working on my heart on. And, um, uh, so I have, I have this blog reader that I, I, I read. Uh, it, it, it has all these, it, 
it pulls in all the posts from the blogs I follow. And every day I would feel this pressure that I needed to clear it, like get all those blogs read. And uh, I, I found myself spending quite a bit of time doing that. And I just felt the Lord saying, uh, you know, Brian, that time that you're spending clearing those blogs, that you're spending reading those blogs is time that you could be spending with me and, and my word, learning more about me. And so I had to, to set that aside for this season because I, 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 it was becoming too, uh, uh, it had too prominent of a place in my life. Another thing I've had to put aside for this season is social media. I was finding when I would uh, get on social media that, you know, I would start coveting or I would start uh, wanting something, you know, I was on vacation and those people were on vacation, but their vacation looked better than my vacation. And uh, I would find myself in a place that I, I, I wasn't uh, pleased with where my heart was going when I was on social media. And so I had to say, okay, Lord, I'm putting social media aside for this season because I'm spending too much time on it and it's not taking my heart close closer to you. And so I want you to think of today about things in your heart. Uh, they're, they're, and oftentimes they're not even sin. It, um, the blogs that I follow, they weren't sin. There was nothing uh, in uh, using it fill in them. But they were things that were taking that time I should have been spending with the Lord and uh, using it for that. And so I want to encourage you. Is there something in your life today that might be taking, taking time that you could be spending with the Lord? Or maybe with, when you're with this group of friends, you're finding that it takes you to a place uh, that you're doing things that aren't pleasing to the Lord. Lord. Whatever it is, I want you to, to take this Lenten, se- Lenten season seriously and use it as an opportunity to grow closer to the Lord. That's the heart behind Lent. The heart behind Lent isn't uh, that we follow rules or that we do something in a certain way, but it's that we get closer to the Lord. And so as, as we move into the, the Lenten season, I want us to think about that. Consider responding to God's forever enduring perfect mercy by the first one giving thanks. Have you ever been in a situation and you find yourself just kind of uh, getting wrapped up in yourself? I know when I get really busy at work, I start uh, getting this awful mindset that people should serve me or, you know, why can't uh, the kids do this or why can't uh, that person get that done? And I, I get in this loop of, of, you know, everybody needs to serve me. But then I have to remind myself, no, 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 that's totally wrong. Uh, that's totally messed up. And what usually gets us out of that loop of, of wherever your brain might go is giving thanks. When I, when I come and say, Lord, thank you that I have such great kids. I, I thank you for uh, the blessing that they are to our family. Thank you for a wonderful wife. Thank you for a wonderful boss. Thank you for, and you start getting in the loop of thanks. It puts things, it starts getting things in the right perspective. Instead of uh, focusing on yourself, you start focusing on things around you. That's one of the cool things about Psalm 136. He starts uh, from a, a kind of a general thing of, of uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then as, as he goes down through the psalm, it gets more and more specific. And I think uh, one of, we could follow that same practice in our lives. When we find ourselves in a space where, where uh, we, we get focused on ourselves, when we get focused on the problems that are in front of us, when we get focused on the things around us, we can use that as an opportunity to give thanks. Um, the other thing that, that or the, the next things in, in, in the list there, praying during the Lenten season, fasting during the Lenten season, uh, on private almsgiving during the Lenten season. These are the three pillars of, of Lent that we could partake in. Not, again, not because uh, there's anything uh, special about them, not because there's anything uh, that, that God's measuring us for, by participating in them, but because God wants to use those things to help draw us closer to him. 
one of the things I th- I've noticed in our society is we have a hard time saying no. Do you, does anybody here have that problem? I know I do, especially when I'm at the store and I'm in front of the Haagen-Dazs or uh, in front of the, the, you know, some kind of treat that I like. I have a hard time saying no. And um, you, you see it all over, all over our society. I was listening to, to one uh, preacher this week, and he said, we're so impatient as a society, we can't even wait for holes to develop in our jeans. We have to buy jeans with holes in them because uh, we, we're too impatient to have them develop. And I, I get that's a kind of an extreme thing. Uh, but, but, it's, but, but there's something to it in that, you know, not, not, not very often do we tell ourselves no and, and uh, tell ourselves to shut up on the desires that, that we have. And, um, and so this Lenten season is an opportunity for us to say no to things. It's an opportunity to, for us to say, you know, I'm feeling really hungry, but I'm going to put this meal aside because I want to use that time to dr- draw closer to the Lord. And we have to say, tell our hunger pains, shut up, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the Lord and uh, focus on that. And um, as, 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 as I was preparing this lesson, uh, uh, one of the things that, that God's been working in my heart on is, uh, do you ever find the, fami- the danger of the familiarity of Scripture? Like you hear certain verses and over and over again, and pretty soon you just find yourself kind of saying them and not really thinking about what you're saying. And um, this season of life that I'm in, I, I realized that, that I had... I, I had forgotten that God's mercy was forever enduring and perfect, that there was enough for me. And um, I found myself in a space where I thought, you know, God has enough mercy for that person. He has enough mercy for this person who's, who's dealing with alcohol. He has enough mercy for this person who has a broken relationship. But I never really felt like the Lord's mercy was enough for me. And as I was reading this and preparing for this lesson, this came out, this, 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 this principle that God's mercy is enough for all of us. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, God's mercy is always enough. And it takes a while to let that sink in. We develop habits as adults that, that uh, you get in your patterns of life. You get into those, those uh, spaces of your life where, where you, d- you just kind of operate on autopilot. You're not necessarily thinking about uh, 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 deeply about things. And, and I was finding myself saying, Lord, you have enough mercy for, for all those people, but not enough for me. And it wasn't, I didn't say that to him, but my action said it. Because just like Adam and Eve, when we, we find ourselves getting further and further away from the Lord, we try to hide, we try to run from him. But the invitation today is run to me. You can run to me when, you're, when, you're, when, you've, when you've strayed. You can run to me, uh, become close to me when, when you're needing my mercy. And that's the cool thing is we have a God who has infinite amount of mercy. It's perfect mercy. We don't have to worry and say, you know, Lord, I messed up last night. You're not going to accept me today. No, we don't have to worry about that today because we can go in full confidence. We can come and approach the Lord with full confidence that he's going to forgive us of our sins. And so today I want to invite you, wherever, whatever of the wilderness you're in, whatever stage of life you're going through, Maybe you're going through that time of the wilderness. You have change happening. You don't understand what's going on. 
run to the Lord's mercy. It's more than enough for you. Maybe you're, you're in that season where you're in bondage. Find a group of friends that will help you. Uh, uh, groups like Celebrate Recovery are great for, for uh, reminding us of the promises of God, reminding us that we're not on our own, that God's mercy is there, that it's sufficient, that it's enough for everything. And so I want to encourage you today, run to God, run to his, his uh, enduring mercy. And um, as we wrap up our time today, uh, I was reminded, I was thinking about an old song, and those of you who are under 30 probably have never heard it, but it goes like this. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord is, uh, actually, I forgot the word. Thank you, Neil. He knew that I would forget. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And you know, that, that new every morning thing was something else that got me. Um, you know, I, I found myself in that familiarity of scripture thing. I found myself thinking, you know, every day I go to work, I get tired. About nine after nine o'clock, I'm basically useless. And, uh, and so I have to sleep to regain my, my strength. I have to sleep to, 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 to be, be useful at work the next day. And I've, I found myself thinking about God in the same way. Intellectually, I knew that wasn't the case. I knew that he had never-ending mercy. I knew that, 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 you know, he wasn't deficient in the area of mercy, that he didn't have a mercy tank that was low. But in my, somehow in, in the way I, I lived, I somehow got into my heart that, that uh, God had to, that, that when we say God's mercies are new every morning, it was because he had to, you know, regain them after dealing with people like me all day. And he got, we'd get impatient and he was like, Brian, why can't you get it together? But that's not the case. God has perfect mercy. He doesn't need to sleep to, to fill his mercy tank up again. The mercy that he had for me this morning is the same mercy that he'll have for me tonight. The same mercy that he has for me tonight is the same mercy that he has for me tomorrow morning. And it's the same for you. So whatever you're facing today, whatever, uh, whatever you're here with today, know that God's mercy is more than enough. So Malia, would you please lead us in this song as uh, we, we wrap up our time together? With this steadfast love of the Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end For they are new every morning New every morning As great is our faithfulness of the Lenten season is to draw closer to the Lord. And uh, what do you do when you're, you're trying to become closer to a friend? Oftentimes you go eat with them, right? And so today we're going to receive Holy Communion. And this is the, the, the meal that the Lord had set up for us right before his death. And so today as the band leads us in this next song, I want to invite you to go to the stations of the cross and pick up the elements of communion. Maybe you have a prayer request today. You can put your prayer request on the sticky note at the, at the cross. Those prayer requests become our prayer list for the week. But as, as Malia leads us in the song, let's go to the communion stations and get our elements. And then we'll come back and receive communion together here in just a few minutes. Oh, the sad, 